This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. It's the final hour of today's show on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. We've got some great guests lined up. We will talk with Mark Drumheller, all things Eagles, in just a few minutes. Then we've got Chris Mack joining us to talk all things Steelers. And he also does uh, college football, does the BetQLU podcast. So, of course, we have championship weekend coming up. And then... At the end of the hour, we have saved our absolute best for last. Our best bets of the day uh, will come your way at 8.40 here on the show. So, Kate, I asked Jenks this question, and I'm interested to hear your response. What is the appropriate amount of Christmas trees that you should be allowed to have in your home? The line is set at one and a half. It is juiced to the under, the over even money. Are you taking over or under one and a half Christmas trees? Oh, I'm taking the over. Are you kidding me? You could have two Christmas trees. You have one in your main living room that all the presents are under. And then maybe you have a smaller one in the bedroom or in your chi- your kid's room. Like your kids should have a tiny little Christmas tree in the room. It doesn't have to be a real one, but that's great. I say definitely over one and a half. I, feel, I clearly feel very passionate about that as well. I didn't realize... Uh, I cared so much, but yes, over one and a half. Yeah, it sounds like you're taking the over two and a half for like plus uh, hey. 170. Oh, you give me plus 170 on over two and a half? Give me all the trees. I love it. See, I think that it is appropriate to have two trees, but I don't think I'm all in on the bedroom Christmas trees because like nobody sees it. And I also don't hang out in my bedroom. I guess it depends on how nice your bedroom is because I try to keep my like living room area pretty clean because people see it. But my bedroom, woof. I don't know about that. So do you have a Christmas tree in your bedroom? A disaster. No, I do not. But growing up, um, me and all my siblings, my mom would put like just these small little trees. We each had our own and they Mm -hmm. were fake. So we just reused them every year. But we each had our own little small Christmas tree in our room. And it was so special. Like the season would come around and we'd put up the big family Christmas tree. And then we'd all have our little ones with the lights. So like when you're a kid and you need a light nightlight, like my Christmas tree was my nightlight growing up. So I hope to once I have children down the road give them a Christmas tree right now. My bedroom is way too like messy and just kind of like, it sounds like yours is the dumping ground for everything when you don't want it in the (laughs) living room. And um, so a Christmas tree, that's just not in the cards for us uh, this year. Not at all. In the main room. Uh, Right. My bedroom is, I have that chair and we all have this chair that you put the clothes on that are like, 
not dirty enough to put in the dirty clothes hamper, hamper, but not clean enough to hang up. And so I just have like this massive pile of clothes on the chair in my room. Uh, all right, so let's get to our next guest. Let's get to Mark Drumheller uh, joining us now. He is the new host of Bringing Home the Hardware with you, Kate. Congrats on the new podcast, uh, highlighting the best of the futures markets when it comes to the awards across all professional and college sports. So, Mark, number one, congrats on the new podcast. And number two, how many Christmas trees are the right amount? Are you taking the over one and a half or the under? I don't I don't know if I can take the under with Kate having that, you know, passionate response. Do I really want to be <laughs> in a hot water on, you know, right before we release the podcast? I'm not so sure. But no, I agree. Like if you're talking full Christmas tree, like I, I we have one. Mm -hmm. I like to have one, but my daughter does have a little one in her room. We got a little one in the window for everybody to walk by, you know, and see that sort of stuff. So I, I think you know, you can have some little ones around the house. One big one's enough for me. I, I don't need more than one big one, but hey, to each his own. Whatever you need to do to get yourself into the Christmas spirit, I'm on board with. Yeah, I have a problem with people who like to have a problem with the way you decorate your house. Like, it's my house. I'll do yeah. whatever I want. Yeah. If I want to put up 10 Christmas trees, I'm gonna. Uh, but for the record, I do have two Christmas trees, and that's why I asked. I got a new one for the entryway. Uh, it's not full size, but it's relatively big. So that is why I asked. All right. So we have a huge matchup in the NFC this week. We kind of referenced it in the last segment and you know who I'm on. Uh, but we know you're in Philadelphia, you know, a ton about the Eagles. So bottom line, do you think this is situationally too tough of a spot for the Eagles this week? Or do you think the magic continues for Jalen Hurts and company? Uh, could be both. Could be both. I mean, we'll see. But I agree with you. Like, situationally, like, this is an atrocious spot. And I think when the Eagles schedule came out, everybody looked at this spot. And a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know. You know, the, the, those that were backing Dallas to win the NFC East pointed to this part of the schedule. Because, you know, you have to go to Kansas City. Then you got to play Buffalo in a short week. Now we tack on overtime, right? You know, the players are on the field, you know, an extra. And the emotion of that game. Now you got to get up again. You have to play the 49ers. And after this week, they got to go to Dallas. And Dallas is playing tonight. So Dallas is going to be, you know, off the mini buy with the Thursday night game. So I think as Eagles fans, we look at it like if we can get out of this three and one, it's a massive win. Now, you know, is that loss going to come against San Francisco? Or are they just going to, you know, be able to beat San Francisco and then just be completely out of gas next week at Dallas, uh, you know, in another huge game? So um, I, I think it's tough. I, I think the number... At three, I wouldn't lay three with San Francisco against a quarterback who won 30 of his last 34 starts, you know, 27 and two over his last 29. The Eagles have been finding ways to win. And I think that, you know, some of the narrative you hear is you'll hear terms thrown out like lucky or just surviving. And I don't think that's the case when you look at Jalen Hurts. Like, I think, you know, finding ways to win these close games can be very valuable, especially the deeper you get into the season when you get into the playoffs. Um you know, but it, they're going to have to – when these two teams play, it comes down to who controls the line of scrimmage. And I'm just wondering if the Eagles' offensive line is going to have enough gas after next week. So, I haven't bet it yet. If it gets over three, I will definitely be betting the Eagles. I may bet Philadelphia at three, but uh, it's going to be a tremendous game either way. 
Mark, um, first of all, excited for our podcast this afternoon. We're doing our first, recording our first episode, so that will be out later today for anyone who's interested. Uh, we might talk a little bit of Jalen Hurts for MVP, but in this game today, Eagles secondary has not been great this season. What's been the the biggest issue in them, you know, defending the pass and opposing wide receivers? Yeah, so I think some of it is, you know, you had a new quarter in, coordinator in there. There's a little bit of adjustments. And it's just a matter of, like, you know, hey, uh, the Philadelphia's defense is built on the pass rush and, and the pass rush getting home. So that that's going to be a key part of it. And that's one of the things, you know, you're a little bit worried about if you're backing the Eagles in this game is that up front, you know, Fletcher Cox, you know, banged up. Looks like, you know, he hasn't been practicing. He's probably not going to be able to go. Jordan Davis. So they do have some injuries across the defensive line here. Um, can the other guys step up? You know, they, they, they use a rotation. Hassan Reddick, um, obviously, you know, had the big hit on Purdy that knocked him out of the game last year. Uh, you know, can he step up in this spot? But it's really more about with these two teams. The San Francisco secondary isn't great either. It's going to come down to, you know, which, which defensive line can get the most pressure on quarterback. And that's somewhere where – Jalen Hurts had struggled a little bit last year. We knew Kansas City was going to do that. They sent the house on them. And, you know, the key for the Eagles, really, when teams do that, is they have to hit those explosive plays down the field. They have to hit, you know, the A.J. Brown, you know, 30 yards down the field. The Devonta Smith, he had the big touchdown, or he might have went down at the one-yard line against Kansas City. But, um, you know, you, you get the picture. Like, they're going to send everybody at Hurts, and Hurts has kind of struggled a little bit in that situation. That's a big difference between this year and last year. Um, so he's going to have to get better at hitting those deep balls um, if they're going to, you know, be able to win this game against San Francisco. Okay, so I know you guys are going to talk about the MVP market on your show because it's all about futures, but I want to talk about it now because clearly Jalen Hurts is one of the front runners to win it. But the surprising thing that I have seen this week is a lot of the talking heads talking about Dak Prescott winning the MVP. And I get it. He has great numbers. He has been piling up the stats on bad teams, uh, especially at home this season. But it feels to me if the Eagles continue to win – you cannot give this award to Dak Prescott when you have Jalen Hurts on the other end that continues to do it, you know, in these close games. So do you think Jalen Hurts is the deserving favorite for MVP here? I do. I really do. I think at this point, but I, I think we're going to see it really get tight as the season goes on. I mean, you know, again, what's the narrative going to be if San Francisco does win this game, right? It's going to be, hey, you know, the Eagles can't beat San Francisco with Brock Purdy because they knocked them out in the NFC Championship when they won that game. And you're, I think you could see Purdy's number, like, climb here and get closer to the pack, closer to Jackson, closer to Mahomes, closer to Hurts, um, if they come out with the win because they look like, you know, one of the most dominated dominating teams in the NFL. And Dallas on the other side, like, what they have is – numbers right like like they lead the nfl in margin of victory you know they've you know they're playing seattle tonight they've covered their last three games as double digit favorites they put up a ton of points they beat teams by a ton of points especially at home but like miami they haven't really done it against the great teams right they fell short when they came to philadelphia that was a game where i thought the ending kind of eagles let them back in that game they kind of you know pretty much had the game in hand until the back end of the fourth quarter so i, I think you know, Prescott, if they can beat Philadelphia, you know, we, we talked about how that's going to be a bad spot next week, too. That might be the game that has people looking at him a little bit different. Like, hey, maybe he can beat the good teams. Yeah, I think if Prescott's going to win this, he'll, he'll likely need some help from 
hurts to like he'll need hurts to kind of mm-hmm. not perform as as well down the stretch um mark in terms of props for this game jalen hurts uh anytime touchdown is a little juice minus 135 he has been i mean two rushing touchdowns and sunday's win against buffalo uh first quarterback in nfl history with at least 10 rushing tds in three straight seasons like is that a prop that you would continue to look at or would you go more for his you know passing touchdowns over one and a half anything there yeah, I think that, you know, you kind of have to play Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown, right? I mean, even at the odds at minus 135, you're, you're told it's less than a 60% implied probability. And and he just seems that every time they get down there, they, they find a way to the one-yard line and they're going to find a way into the end zone. Um, Lane Johnson seems to be a ghost. So, like, the offensive line, I think, is, is going to be fine in here. It's really the defensive line that I'm worried about. So, I think that makes sense. But I touched on – you know, their need to hit explosive plays. So I, I would look at, if you're going to look at Eagles props, look at it, you know, from that direction, right? Longest completion or maybe, you know, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith yards or, or touchdowns for those guys. Because I really think that that's going to be, you know, what they need to do if they're going to score a ton of points is they got to hit those long shots to those guys. So um, I would probably look more in that direction. But, yeah, I mean, anything under 60, 60% applied to probability, like it, it's hard not to bet Hurts for these anytime touchdowns because he's the play once they get down there. Oh, for sure. And he has been cash money in that regard. Okay, up open-ended here. Are there any other mm-hmm. games across the slate that have caught your eye? Well, you'll like this one, Chelsea. Um, I like the over oh, no. in the uh, Titans-Colts game. Last time they played, these teams uh, combined for 39 <laughs> points, which is a little bit under the total now, but there were 777 yards in that game. And the Titans... They score a ton of points at home, 24 points per game at home, as opposed to, I think, only about 12 on the road. I think it's because they oh. hear Chelsea out there. Even even when she's at home, they hear Chelsea. That's why they're building the dome. They want to cut that noise down. But, uh, you know, li- listen, I think that this is a game that's going to be over. Colts defense, not great. Titans defense, obviously, having a lot of struggles. So, I like the over in this game. I think we're going to see some points. I know unders have been hitting a ton this year, but we're starting to see that balance out a little bit more. So, I think we'll see points here. So I like the over in the uh, Colts-Titans. How about tonight, Mark? We have Cowboys and Seahawks. Cowboys laying a big number, nine at home. But they've dominated at home, and they've dominated against poor teams at home. And I think Seattle's kind of a poor team. Are you in the same boat? I am, yeah. And it's 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 hard to bet the Cowboys at this number. Like, this is a really big number. But like I mentioned before, like, they blow teams out, especially at home. They lead the NFL as far as margin of victory is concerned. And um, like I said, covered three straight big numbers as double-digit favorites. So, uh, you know, and when we look at the matchup on the field, it's really about Seattle's defense. Like, uh, you know, can Seattle's defense slow down this Cowboys offense? Because the Seattle's offense is going to have some trouble. The offensive line's banged up. Geno Smith seems to be banged up a little bit. And that's going to be, you know, blood in the water for those Sharks on the Cowboys defensive line, Micah Parsons. Um, so I think they're going to be able to get a lot of pressure on Geno. Uh, it's hard to lay this big a number, but it does feel like it's justified here. I haven't decided how I'm going to play it yet. Do I want to play Cowboys team total over? Do I want to lay the big number? Not really sure, but uh, it, it definitely seems like everything's pointing to Dallas. Yeah, and kudos to you for playing the Cowboys, even if you are an Eagles fan, because I know that cannot be easy. He is Mark Dremheller. He is, <laughs> that's true, That's <Kelly> right. <laughs> Green. 
Uh, he is the new host of Bringing Home the Hardware with Kate Constable. Uh, I believe they're recording it first, today. And also a host out this on- afternoon. Let's go. All right. So oh. thanks for joining us, Mark. Uh, good luck to your birds. I feel like they're going to need it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, uh, we will come back after the break with Chris Mack to talk all things um, Pittsburgh, all things college football. And I will say, I do like the Kelly Green uniforms that the Eagles sport that people love so, so much. All right, stick with us. More Daily Tip after the break. Uh, We'll see you then. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Oh, good morning. We've got Chris Mack joining us in just a few minutes here on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. She's Kate Constable filling in for Jenks. And Chris also hosts on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. So he always knows what's going on with the Steelers. Uh, We'll also talk championship weekend because he does the BetQL U show on the Odyssey YouTube page every thursday but kay we were laughing about this headline i was actually looking at tmz because i didn't know that dak prescott even had a girlfriend but apparently he's having a baby now well not him his girlfriend obviously but one of the other top headlines was about the steelers and it says deontay johnson addresses quitting on play during game and says i'm not perfect this made me laugh And now, whenever I make any kind of mistake where I give up or show very little effort, all I'm going to say is, you know what? I'm not perfect. What a catch-all excuse from Deontay Johnson. This made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. I think that excuse is perfect. Because how many times do you want to use an excuse like, hey, I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm just human. Can't help it. (laughs) what if I came on to this show as, as my job, you know, and just kind of like rolled over and, you know, yeah, I think the Steelers are going to win this week. And bosses come at me like, Kate, come on. You've got to have more than that. Well, I'm not perfect. So that's all I got today. That's kind of what Johnson did in the game <laughs> last weekend. 
at your job, your job is to be perfect in those situations, or at least to have some sort of effort. Like there's another headline that says Johnson apologizes for his effort in a game versus Bengals. That should never be a headline. Like you should never be apologizing for your effort because you should be trying at all times when you're getting paid that much money to play in the NFL, a job that so many people want. Right. But Hey, it's once a week too. Like, I don't understand how this is a thing for professional athletes, like the effort, because if you are clearly trying and you're clearly motivated and you mess up, you miss a catch. That's one thing. I think it's more forgivable when it looks like the person's at least trying, but when fans see a player that is getting paid a lot of money in a situation that is not relatable to most people, you know, making a ton of money to literally play a game once a week, that's when people really get mad. So I think that's where it starts for me. It's like, if you're a professional athlete, is it really that hard to stay motivated? Yeah. Well, it's the it's the Chase Claypool stuff earlier in the season with the Bears. Like, his first couple of games, he's an zero idiot. effort. And the Bears <laughs> like, uh, let him, him What did they do? Trade him, let him go, whatever. And now he's not even hardly playing for the Dolphins. Like, he's going to be out of the NFL next year because of your effort. Deontay Johnson, like, take a page out of that book. Maybe try just a little bit or at least fake an effort. Then you can, you know, maybe – not have to be thrown around all these excuses. I think I was less mad at the Chase Claypool stuff because I generally thought he wasn't that smart. Like the first <laughs> down celebration when you needed to, you know, hurry up, I was like, man, I just this don't guy. think that there's a lot going on up there. Like maybe yeah, it's no. not his fault. Maybe he is trying. He just didn't know any better. So <laughs> bless his heart. He's not perfect. All right, let's bring in Chris Mack to talk about some of this. He is the host of the BetQLU show on the Odyssey YouTube page every Thursday. Also a host of uh, The Fan 93.7 in Pittsburgh and host of Fourth Down in the Steel City podcast. He's doing a lot, and his name is Chris Mack. The Mack is back. A turnaround shot that rattled wide. Subban one more try, deflected over the net, and the Pittsburgh Penguins again are the Stanley Cup champions. Chris Mack. A little toss. Here comes a gadget play. Randall L. He can throw. He was a quarterback in college. And he's thrown a touchdown to Heinz Ward in the Super Bowl. Bringing all his college plays. Barkley from inside his own five. Barkley with a lead. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley was the opening kick. 97 yards. Touchdown, Nittany Lions. All right. Let's bring him in now. Chris Mack, what is your take on some of this drama when it comes to the Steelers? Is this what everybody is complaining about? Because I will say... When it comes to the Steelers, it's always something. There's always something that people are talking about. And I just saw Deontay Johnson on TMZ. Is this the drama of the week for the Steelers? You want me to have a take about this? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not perfect, Chelsea. Like, I'm just I'm asking you I'm to do your job. Here. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, it, it is the big thing this week. Um, Deontay Johnson, I guess, to his credit, question mark. Uh, stood in front of the media and answered questions about it and said, hey, I got to be better, which is obvious. Like, it, it, that's 
it, it, again, it's bare minimum standing up and owning up to the fact that you basically quit on a play that was the ball was right at your feet. And then the guy who recovered the ball literally ran around you. Um, so uh, it, it's funny. You mentioned Deontay. You mentioned Chase Claypool. We all know what Antonio Brown uh, was like when he was here. Not necessarily giving up on plays back then or stomping off of sidelines with his clothes half off. But he saved that for when he had left Pittsburgh. But, I mean, we've we got a history of wide receivers who, for whatever reason, uh, go through these issues, these ups and downs. But that's, yeah, that's been the, the big story this week. Um, and then, obviously, the Steelers gaining 400 yards of offense. Woo! Yeah, They only scored 16 points, but hey, it, it was, and it was against the Bengals, whose defense is yeesh. Uh, but hey, it was 400 yards of offense in the first week without Matt Canada. So um, with the Cardinals and the Patriots on deck, uh, the people are feeling pretty good about where the Steelers sit right now. Seven and four and with po- very likely nine and four in the offing with a couple of home games against those two uh, tomato cans on deck. So, yeah, Steeler fans looking for something to complain about. That's what we do. Yeah, Chris, I, I mean – you win a game, put up a ton, out, out gain your opponent in yardage for the first time this season. Like Steelers fans have to be excited about that, but tell us why they shouldn't be excited. Like, why is that not as big of a deal as maybe the casual football fan right. might see those numbers and think it is? Well, I, I think it's, it's baby steps, but it's baby steps for it, it's, it's baby steps for like when that toddler starts moving around the living room, pulling itself up on things, and you haven't yet screwed the bookshelf to the wall, and you're like, oh, my God, they might pull it down on top of themselves. Um, Those kind of baby steps in that they're just toddling around now. The good news is not only did they get the 400 yards of of offense and 16 points was enough to beat the Bengals on the road, but they're doing it with the run game, right? Like Najee Harris had – it was a yard away from 100 this week. It was Jalen Warren really driving the bus the two weeks previous to that. The offensive line has really found something in the run game since allowing since they allowed Broderick Jones, the, the first-round draft pick, to start at tackle. So it feels like those are the baby steps moving in the right direction. The thing to worry about is, is this enough from your quarterback? You know, uh, and Kenny Pickett looked much better without Matt Canada running the offense this past Sunday. Let's give – let's – you know, again, we're damning with faint praise, I suppose, much like praising Deontay Johnson for owning up to his lack of effort in Cincinnati. But he looked better, Kenny Pickett. Um, he, he still did that thing where he spins around in a circle and runs into the pass rush. He still did that thing where perhaps he panics a little bit too much against the pass rush as well. But for the most part, he stretched the ball down the middle of the field, especially to Pat Fryermuth. That's the the feel good for the Steelers in that they looked a little bit better. They've got a soft schedule down the stretch. Like I mentioned, Arizona and New England, New England on a short week, and then a a trip to Indy in the offing, another game against the Bengals and Jake Browning. Seattle is on the slate. So they should be a playoff team. It's just a question now of whether they'll actually be able to do anything once they get there. Yeah, and if they can cover a a five-and-a-half-point spread. Like, I saw that line against the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals are bad, but, like, the Steelers, oh, that makes my stomach hurt, turn, yeah. like playing them is that big of favorites. But let's get to some college football because it is championship weekend and uh, we know you do a college football show. So let's start with the big one, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon, Washington. 
Oregon laying nine and a half at a neutral site. All of us are kind of scratching our head at this line and saying, what's going on here? The last time these two met up, Washington won it by a field goal at the last minute. Does this line look suspicious at all to you? It does. And here's the thing. All the sharp money has come in on this thing and pushed the line up. I think it opened, what, at eight maybe? Um, and has pushed it up to nine, nine and a half in a lot of spots. And that tells me maybe somebody knows better than we do. But despite the video game numbers that Bo Nix has put up for the last month, um, Washington, to your point, Chelsea, did win this game. Uh, It was a couple months ago. Dan Lanning really screwed it up with some poor decisions in that game. But Washington has won this game already. I know people are fading a bit on the Huskies because of the way they've played the last month. Michael Penix Jr. has not quite looked like the Heisman candidate he did earlier in the year. And that's the other sort of side path to this thing is the quarterback that wins this game has, or at least if Bo Nix wins it, if Michael Penix Jr. were to put up a really big game and winning it, has a good shot at the Heisman as they both try to dance around Jaden Daniels, who doesn't play this week. But um, I, I think there's too much recency bias on Washington here. You know, they won ugly in Corvallis a couple weeks ago. They won ugly in the Apple Cup. But I think both of those games, there was so much extra going into it. Both of those programs, obviously, being left behind as the Pac-2, right? And both of them with something to prove. Oregon State at that point was still in the Pac-12 title race. And it was a nasty weather game cold and windy and rainy that Saturday night in Corvallis. I think we get a, the, the best game we've gotten from Penix in over a month. I think we get a high-scoring game. The 66-and-a-half certainly indicates that. And I I don't know if Washington pulls off the upset, but, man, the money line is attractive, right? 290. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Washington, who's undefeated, by the way, and coming in as a nine-and-a-half-point dog, too, at a neutral site. I wouldn't be surprised to see Washington pull off the upset, but I think – the safer bet here for me anyway is just Washington with the nine and a half because I think this ends up being much like the first meeting, a last possession game between these two. And this number has gone up from where it was earlier in the show. I mean, it was nine earlier this morning, nine and a half yeah. now. I would agree with you, Chris. Way too many points for that Washington team. Uh, Florida State is the other undefeated team, other than Georgia, going into championship weekend, obviously without Jordan Travis. I really like the Seminoles this weekend. I still think that they can pull it off and beat Louisville. Louisville's run game is great, and Florida State's run defense, not so great. So that's the only knock I kind of have other than the quarterback scenario for Florida State. How are you looking at this one? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Louisville, I I, I mean, just... It's, it's embarrassing, I got to think, for them to have everything sort of laid out in front of them, and it was still laid out in front of them. A win last week and a win this week, they're at least on the fringes of the playoff conversation if some other dominoes fall the right way. Instead, they lose to Kentucky. Ugh, that's, that's painful if you're Louisville because not only do you lose to Kentucky, but you fall out of whatever minimal shot you had at the playoff as well. And this last one is then just all about Pride, really and you know you'll get a new year's six game if you win this one but I, I don't know where Louisville's heads are at after losing that one to Kentucky and so I do like Florida State only laying two and a half I, obviously Florida State wins they're in the playoff I, I don't think there's any discussion an undefeated ACC champ is a playoff team Florida State loses it's exactly the excuse the committee is looking for to keep them out of the playoff 
I think all the motivation is on Florida State's side in this one. It wasn't especially pretty last week, but it doesn't have to be pretty against Louisville either. This is really, this is no, style points do not apply here to Florida State. All they have to do is escape Charlotte with a W, and I think they can do that. This one, I, I don't have a play on this one, to be quite honest, because there are so many variables in it. But I think this is the one, this is the one that if you pull it out, the whole house of cards comes tumbling down as far as all of the other wild playoff scenarios. Right. And Louisville proved me absolutely wrong last week. Very embarrassing loss for them and me. I laid the seven with Louisville. It did not come through. Okay. We only have 90 seconds left, but Alabama, Georgia, who do you like? Go. Oh, man. You're telling me (laughs) Nick Saban has a chance to win and get in after the way things went earlier this year. Jalen Milrow, who turned his season on a dime, what, about five weeks ago or so, has a chance to get into the playoff. Oh, man. Five and a half is such an odd number for this game, too. I think Alabama makes it a final possession game. I, much like I said about Oregon-Washington, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama win this thing. But I've doubted Georgia a lot this year, and especially over the last month or, or four to six weeks. They have absolutely squashed me every time I've questioned them. So I think Georgia ultimately takes care of business. But five and a half. That's a weird number for me. I, I I lean Bama in the points because I think it's a field goal game. Yeah, I'm hoping it's a close game, and I'm hoping for a good game in the SEC championship matchup. He is Chris Mack. He is host of the BetQLU show on the Odyssey YouTube page every Thursday. Chris, thanks for joining us. After the break, it's time for our best bet of the entire slate. You won't want to miss it. That's next on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And we are back. It's the final segment of today's show. I'm Chelsea Messenger. She is Kate Constable filling in for Jinx today. And uh, coming up next on BetQL Daily, Joe Osborne joins the show from Covers.com. I would imagine he is talking about tonight's Thursday night football game, maybe some props, but I'm pretty sure he does it all. So maybe we'll get plays across the board. Kate, I don't think I've asked you this. Do you ever do hockey plays? No. Hardly ever. I have one really good friend who loves to bet hockey overs, so he'll text me and just send me a list of like all the over games he likes, and we only ever bet overs, never unders, never props, never sides, anything like that. So rarely, but that's not coming from my knowledge. I don't have any knowledge in in terms of the hockey space and how to bet it. Yeah, I don't know enough about hockey hockey to – yeah, he loves hockey. I don't have enough of a depth of knowledge for hockey Mm -hmm. for me to feel really confident in my plays. Like as a handy, like I can handicap things and say like, here's what the trends and the markets are saying. But if you told me, like, if you asked me to explain like the matchups and the X's and O's, that's where I would draw a blank. I'm like, well, this team's good. This team's bad. You just take the good team, right? Uh, So I just, it's not somewhere I feel. Yeah. So like, I I don't feel... 
that's where as somebody who does a show and tries to be an analyst, I feel like I would like to feel confident enough in a play to where if somebody came at me and said, have, you know, well, I like this side. Are you still on this side? I'm like, yeah, I like my analysis. I like all the numbers and I've been watching the games. So I'm going to stick with it. Are you somebody who is influenced by others' plays? I feel like I used to be more influenced by others. But now at this stage in the game, I think the worst is when you go against your gut feeling and your gut feeling was right. Are you influenced when people like have plays that go against yours? No. Early on when I first started doing this, yes. I would look at some people who I thought, you know, were always right or had more knowledge or experience than I did and, and do that same thing where I would switch my play being like, oh, they, they're better at this than I am. They probably know. And then I would end up being, my initial play would end up being right. And that happens too many times. And all of a sudden I'm like, no. So I, no, I'm going to play exactly what I want to play and probably won't even look at, read too much into like what other people are taking or look at, you know, all the other sites that have predictions and stuff like that, because I don't want to be influenced. And I, I've learned to trust my process and what I find, um, valuable in handicapping games because what I measure in some games might be completely different with what you measure in terms of how how much you stock you want to put into this aspect of it or that aspect um we could both be our processes could both end up being right and get us at the same place but everyone's is going to be different so I think the most important thing in sports betting is figuring out what works well for you what you value in a play and then trusting that process and not wavering to, you know, copy what other people are doing or take their their points or their um, thoughts into consideration with your handicapping. Then it's just kind of a, a free for all and you're not going to be winning long term that way for sure. Well, and also we can't, can't even do that on the show because we wake up right. so early. Like yes. even if I wanted to take other people's plays, I don't think you can because nobody Which else is probably is like handicapping. A great benefit of doing this show mm -hmm. is you're not influenced by any outside noise. You turn on the TV and hear what, you know, people on the networks are saying, like, you don't have any of that, which I think would be great. Um, so maybe just turn it, not me, not turning my TV on ever is probably what I should do. Say <laughs> so, I'm only watching Netflix and Hallmark yeah, Christmas right? <laughs> movies. We are not watching any of the talking heads, but you're right. Sometimes it subconsciously can get into your like brain yeah. thoughts so that's why I don't like watching some of those shows because some is just like, oh, what are the Cowboys doing? Uh, LeBron, Michael mm -hmm. Jordan. And some of it doesn't <laughs> bring much value to me anyway. All right. So we have teased it. It is time to get to our favorite plays of the day. Time to place your bets. All right, Kate. Since you are filling in for Jake today, you get to go first. What is your best bet of the day? Lovely. Uh, my best bet of the day, Tony Pollard, over 19 and a half receiving yards against the Seahawks tonight. Seattle, bottom 10 in uh, receptions, receiving yards, receiving yards per reception, targets, all allowed to opposing running backs. The numbers that some of these uh, running backs have put up against the Seahawks in recent weeks, Christian McCaffrey, 25 yards, Daryl Henderson, 28, Brian Robinson Jr., 119 just three weeks ago. So I like Pollard to go over his receiving yards tonight. The rushing prop, I'm going to stay off of that, but I like his receiving. 
I like it. I think a lot of receivers put up big games tonight as the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have really been lighting it up in the passing game. All right, for me, I'm shuddering a little bit because I'm going to lay a big number in primetime, but I feel like situationally speaking, this is when the Cowboys feast. Nine-point favorites tonight at home over the Seahawks. I'll take the boys laying nine here. Cowboys have been really profitable as favorites this season, uh, going 8-1 against the spread as favorites this year. 5-0 and straight up and against the number when playing at home. And plus, they've won six games this year by 17-plus points. When they win games, they're winning big. And I know some of these games are against the bottom-of-the-barrel teams in the NFL, but the Seahawks have not looked great as of late. And plus, they have been terrible against some of the top teams in the NFL. Got absolutely smoked by the Ravens, 38-3. to Got uh, pistol-whipped by the Niners just last week. I know that's a divisional game, but still. Uh, plus, this is not a short trip. Uh, going to uh, Going from Seattle to Dallas on a short week, does not feel like a great situation for a team that's kind of banged up. No Kenneth Walker the third. Geno Smith is kind of banged up. So I'll take the boys laying nine in primetime at home. So those are our best bets. And now it is time to bring in the third member of our best bets crew, the Magic 8-Ball. Let us gaze upon the glorious Magic 8-Ball. Shall it fade or tail these noble betters? <laughs> Okay, so if you're new here, every single day we have a science-backed approach at testing our best bets, and that is a eight ball that we got from the toy store. All right, eight ball, do you like our play today? Kate's best bet of the day, Tony Pollard over 19 and a half receiving yards. Eight ball says, without a doubt. Ooh, oh. that's a win for Kate. Yeah. All right, how ahead. about the Cowboys minus nine? God, I'm such a square. Whatever. Eight ball says uh no short oh. sweet to the point great a ball thanks for the support all right so let's get to our other best bets of the day i'm gonna take brandon cooks over 41 and a half receiving yards he has hit this in four of his last five games he's somebody who it feels like his production is on the rise ever since that game where he had 173 receiving yards against the giants the targets have gone up he's had at least four targets in each of the last three games the seahawks are not good uh, against the pass, but basically mediocre against the pass. I think the Cowboys are going to dial up a lot of passing yards. So I'll be on that. Kate, is there another play you like tonight? Chelsea, I'm just as square as you. I like the Cowboys as well, laying the points. Not only has their offense been rolling, especially against not great teams, but their defense, so good. Second, uh, allowing the second fewest receptions, receiving yards to opposing wide receivers, second fewest pass attempts to opposing quarterbacks. I'm not sure Geno Smith uh, is going to have too big of a game tonight. And the issues that the Seahawks have had, red zone issues, turnovers, penalties, can't find the end zone on offense. I don't have any faith in the Seahawks tonight. So I'm with you. I'm laying the points with the Cowboys. And I'm also taking the Timberwolves, minus 10 and a half against the Jazz. Jazz are on a back-to-back. Lori Markkinen likely still out tonight. Um, and the Timberwolves covering at home. 7-1-1 one, one against the spread at home this season. Jazz just 1-7, and uh, two and seven, rather, on the road this season. So I like the Wolves laying a big number at home as well. 
Yeah, the Jazz have been really terrible on the road, like you said. Time now for a BetQL five-star best bets of the day for insight, analysis, historical trends, and more five-star best bets. Download the BetQL app. All right, so today they've got the Pacers heat under 239.5. Good luck taking it under in a Pacers game. And then New Hampshire and Sacred Heart in college hoops under 151. I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about that game. All right, so let's bring in Eddie Gross, BetQL Daily. And Ed, I'm glad you're on the show today because if my memory serves me correctly, you covered the Cowboys, mm -hmm. didn't you? What's your take sure on tonight's did. game? My take is this. When you look at what the Cowboys are doing in garbage time, so the game is no longer in doubt. Dallas is going to win. Everything's fine. They still pass the ball a good bit. This isn't a team that just wants to run a good bit, get the game over with, and then move on. No, they still love to pass and, you know, sort of quasi run up the score. Not always to CeeDee Lamb, but they do like to distribute the targets to uh, other receivers. And to me, that matters a great deal in a game like this because it's not just, okay, well, the Cowboys are nine points better than the Seahawks. No, it has a lot more to do with what the Cowboys are going to do once the game is in hand. And this is why I'm laying the points because you look at pass rate over expected and other advanced metrics like that. It's telling you that Dak Prescott is still going to throw a good bit, still accrue a bunch of yards and points, and the Cowboys, maybe the score isn't necessarily indicative of the outcome, but definitely they can cover the big number. And outside of a Thursday night football game, what else are you guys talking about on the show? We're talking about college football, and hopefully uh, Chris Mack and Aaron Hawksworth uh, don't prevent me from talking about SMU for a good chunk of the time. They probably <laughs> will, because uh, I know it uh, might be a tad obnoxious, maybe maybe a scotch. Uh, but uh, we've got Parker Fleming on talking about college football, and of course, uh, Joe Osborne uh, talking about other NFL games that we will be previewing. I do see you are wearing an SMU shirt, are you not? My yeah, vision, I know you were right? an SMU fan. I I, I believe I am. I believe I am. Did you go well, there? Well, Ed lived in Dallas. Yeah. Lived in Dallas yeah. and covered oh, Dallas teams. Oh, yeah. Got, got my undergraduate degrees from SMU. Uh, Post-grad in Northwestern. So, you know, I have my ties to Chicago. But, uh, yeah, pony up. Big game against Tulane Ooh, this weekend. Let's go. Ooh, the big, big game, game that everybody's talking about. <laughs> it's going up against the SEC championship, but we don't care. Let's go. Well, two lanes have been sneaky good over the past few years. That might be a good matchup. All right, so Ed's coming up on BetQL Daily. That's going to do it for us here on The Daily Tip. For me, Chelsea Messenger, for Kay Constable, for the entire crew here at The Daily Tip, have a great rest of your Thursday and best of luck with all of your bets. We'll see you bright and early, 6 a.m. in the East on Friday. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.